welcome to the Fit Money Podcast, where we'll discuss something we all need through our entire life, financial literacy, but also asking the tough question, why aren't students learning it? Financial literacy is more than the math and a behavior we'll need beyond the classroom. So we're learning how we can help students, families, and teachers build a new generation of financially fit students everywhere. On this episode, Fit Money Executive Director Jessica Peltier is joined by Alan Liska, a threat intelligence analyst at Recorded Future, to discuss the common financial scams and frauds spenders and savers of all ages come across, how we can recognize them and then protect ourselves from them. With the rise of online banking, payment apps, and more digital forms of spending and saving, it's important we keep ourselves and our families or students educated on what they should look out for. Hi, Alan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, this is a really important topic as we round out Cybersecurity Month. Um, and, you know, I think that's something that perhaps a couple years ago didn't exist and no one really knew what the topic was. Uh, before we get into our conversation, I really want to hear about you and this fascinating industry uh, that you are in. Tell us about yourself. I have been doing this for a really long time. I am currently a ransomware researcher at Recorded Future. So obviously ransomware is a huge problem for every industry. And uh, what I do is I help understand what's happening, help protect our clients and other people uh, from ransomware attacks, or try to at least. Boy, that's something that is really scary, I think, for business owners and and um, and even governments, uh, as I hear uh, these days. Um, but let's take it down a little bit, and even just in our own homes. Um, most likely, uh, hopefully, uh, folks looking for ransom aren't going to attack a parent uh, or a student, but there is a lot uh, that you are susceptible to as an individual online. Um, how How should we think about educating our kids today as they become completely immersed in their phones and online and the internet, you know, to really think about safety. You know, it's funny. Um, our CEO likes to say that uh, the internet started as a reflection of, of us, of our life, but really now our life is a reflection of the internet. And all of the advice that you give to people in real life, give to your kids when they're heading off to school or heading out for the first time with their friends applies to the internet, right? It, it's, mm-hmm. you know, be careful with who you're interacting with. It's, uh, you know, don't trust strangers. Uh, you know, all, all of those same things apply here, but even more so with the internet where you have to even say things like, Hey, just be careful because that email that looks like it's coming from Uncle Paul might not actually be coming from Uncle Paul. Um, and, and you even have to watch for things like that. Uh, and, and, and so we, what we're trying to do is we're trying to teach kids from an early age how to be aware what we what we used to call in, you know, sort of in the military or in the intelligence community, situational awareness. Be aware of what's going on around you. And, uh, you know, think about things before you react. I love that idea. We we always know here the kind of see something, say something, which I think is a, is an important, important message, uh, to talk to even the youngest of our kids. Um, as you may know, you know, we start our curriculum in kindergarten, which is usually five or six. 
And we certainly don't want to scare children that age. Um, but I think it's the, you know, also that, that cliche, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, you know, it probably is, um, you know, the, the, you've won a, you've won a gift card or, or things like that. Um, you know, talk about, do we think that we are so much more susceptible because we are living kind of our lives, like you said, online and on social media? I mean, I think that's part of it. But, but I also think that there is this, sometimes when you see something that appears to come from credible sources, mm-hmm. you, you want to believe it. So, mm-hmm. you know, a great example of that is your kid probably has a favorite YouTuber, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look in the comment section of any YouTube video today, there are scammers that will basically copy the uh, the, the the profile picture of that famous YouTube that YouTuber that they're watching and say, hey, click here to get free Bitcoin or click here to you know get a as you say a free gift card or whatever. And so it looks like in the comment section of that video that that creator who they trust, who their mm-hmm. parents have said, yeah, no, they're, they're, they're good. You can go ahead and watch them um, is offering them something for free. And so they're going to click on the link. Um, and, and, you know, and part of that is we, we as an industry do a really bad job of weeding out these kind of people, weeding out the, 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 the badness. But so that means that you as a consumer have to be mm-hmm. even more aware of it. You know, a, a great example it, you know, you go to New York City in the 70s and, uh, you know, the, the streets are lined with uh, street vendors selling you a Rolex for $30. You have to be <laughs> suspicious of that. Um, but, you know, but on the other hand, you know, if like Mr. Beast, Mr. Beast is a great example. Mr. Beast mm-hmm. does a lot of giveaways. He gives away a lot of money. So it wouldn't be uncommon or wouldn't be out mm-hmm. of character for Mr. Beast to be in the comments saying, hey, yeah, click on this because I'm going to give you know the first 20 people that click on it a $50 gift card to Xbox or to Sony PlayStation. And who wouldn't want to click on that link? Um, and, right. and did you talk about someone who my kids listen to and watch daily? So uh, we do uh, we do really try to educate them. I know obviously you can't uh, assume kind of every single click, but on average, Alan, if we did click on that link, what exactly are the scammers trying to get from us? You know, what what would happen to the average person? It depends on the scammer. There are so many different ones out there. I mean, and that that's the other thing is you, you know, there's whole industries. You know, we, we 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 talk about them as the individual scammer, but it's not. This is mm-hmm. a these are com- you know essentially companies. This is a you know, a, a, a warehouse in in Vietnam or in Thailand or in China or in Russia, where it's just you know hundreds of people who are setting up at you know thirty different phones at a time, running multiple scams. So we're talking we're talking about it like an individual scammer because it's easier to phrase it that way. But you have to understand there are large, in effect, companies behind these activities. And and so some of them are looking for identity theft, right? Um, mm-hmm. Put in your information because I'm going to then use that information and I'm going to sell that in underground forms. Others are simple credit card fraud. Yeah, put mm-hmm. in your credit card and I'll mail you, you know, you need to pay $5 to cover the shipping um, for this free credit, this, this free gift card I'm going to send you. 
you know, then there's romance scams, which hopefully none of your kids are falling for. But, you know, I mean, uh, but, but, you know, I mean, as a parent, especially, I'm sure there are a lot of single parents out there, you have to worry about romance scams and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the people who kind of prey on those uh, single people and, and get them to transfer hundreds, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's so sad. And you would think that, you know, obviously all of that's illegal, as we know, uh, none of that is sanctioned, we hope, by the governments of any of those states. But because uh, it can be done on that kind of lower level of, you know, um, like you said, $5, $10, $100, it, it's just too impossible to go and find all these people. Sure. So you take the Nigerian government. The Nigerian government cracks down very hard when they find these scammers. But it's and and I apologize to any kids listening to this. You're probably not old enough to get the reference, but it's a lot like whack-a-mole, right? You knock one down, and there's three others that that pop up, and 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 that's part of the problem. So it's not that these governments don't care. It's not that these governments want these scammers to operate. I mean, because it's not like they're just hitting people in the United States. They're hitting people all over the world. And so, you know, they don't want their own people being hit by the scammers in their country. Um, so you're absolutely right. It, it's not like it's the government sanctioning this. It's just really hard to to get them. And it is so easy if you do get taken down and a few people get away to just reset up, you know, for a few hundred dollars you're back in business and you're mm-hmm. starting the same thing over again. So a lot of our teens, um, kind of preteens and, and uh, you know, kind of late 15, 16, they're getting their first job. Um, and so perhaps it's the, the first time that they're having a relationship with a bank. Um, we know still you have to be 18 for your own account, but custodial accounts and, and now debit card for kids are, it's a great uh, industry out there. Um, I, myself, my two kids have them. So it's a a great way to teach responsibility and and start that relationship with a financial institution. I really see banks, especially this month here in October, really becoming very vocal about the scams that look and sound like your bank. What are they doing as an industry to really, you know, try to, to stop this and prevent prevent that fraud, especially to our most vulnerable, the kids who don't know what uh, a a typical outreach from a bank would look like. Right. So one of the things, like I know my bank mandates multi-factor authentication. When you log into the banking app, um, you... you not, not just don't just put in your username and password, but then you have to give a second code, whether mm-hmm, it's an mm-hmm. authenticator on your phone or whether it's an SMS message, or mm-hmm. sometimes it's built into the app itself. And the idea is they want to make sure that it's you logging in. Um, and so that is, you know, because one of the scams, one, one of these click on the link scams is they install piece of malware called information stealer. And what the information stealer does is, that it tries to get all of your usernames and passwords, but in particular, it really loves your banking username <laughs> and password. Um, and, and and so that multi-factor authentication saves you from those scammers because even if they get your username and password, you you need that second code mm-hmm. in order to access it. Now it's not perfect, but it is a very very it makes it much much more difficult. And just like you know, if you talk about a car thief who's going to go for the unlocked car rather than the locked and alarmed car, even with a locked and alarm, somebody can throw a rock through it and you know, uh, grab it if there's something big enough in there. But that's not going to be their first choice. So you've made it harder and the scammer is going to go somewhere else. Now, the second thing that you have to worry about is 
the people that create the fake web pages to get you to put your credit card number in mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. then they can steal that credit card information and use that to make purchases in your name. And that's why a lot of the, um, the, 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 the cards that, that you can hand out to kids, the, the, the guardian cards or custodian cards have the, you need to have the parental approval before you can do that. So if you're a parent, I recommend enabling that, that, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a notification in my app that I'm going to say, yes, it's okay for them to make that purchase because that will, um, uh, because that will help keep them safe. Again, nothing's foolproof. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we all have that uh, uh, pop-up weariness. So, you know, you may one day just approve a, a, a thing because you're just so used to approving them and not realize that it's, it's being scammed. But it does, again, add that extra layer of protection. And I think that's so important what you're saying is, you know, we're, we live in a very fast society, we all think we don't have time to do much. And so we are kind of bothered, I think, sometimes by adding in that second password or having, you know, especially with kids, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe mom has to approve this downloading of this game, you know. Um, But that what you're saying is so important is that for this, we really need to kind of slow that part down. Um, Is there anything that really screams this site is not real you know so like you said we've seen the you can you can steal the picture of your of your youtube poster heck you can go and find you know that all of the top banks their logos are right on google and you probably make a web page pretty easy but what is the real telltale sign if any that okay wait i'm not on the right page this is not my actual bank so this this is where it gets a little hard and you have to play detective. And and fortunately, we have a lot of kids that are basically digital natives at this point. So in some ways, they're better than us. And again, this goes back to that situa- situational awareness. Um, so what we used to tell people is look for the lock in the corner, right? Because a lot mm-hmm. of the scammer sites didn't use those. But now it's so much easier to get. Uh, a secure website Mm -hmm. that even the scammers are using that. So then it becomes, look at the URL itself. Is Mm -hmm. that URL weird? Like if you expect it to go to YouTube and it's U T O O O B or something like that.com or .net or .xyz or whatever, we make the joke in the industry, just like there are bad neighborhoods, there are bad, what we call top level domain. So that end part of the URL, the dot whatever, you know, if it's a dot com, dot net, you know, dot org, that's usually pretty good. But if it's like a dot XYZ or, you know, something like that, then you start to be really suspicious because Bank of America doesn't use a dot XYZ, right? <laughs> um, and again, I know that's a lot for a kid to have to think about. And you mm-hmm. don't want your kid to have to think about that. But 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 unfortunately, they do. Now, there are some solutions you can do. Like when my son was younger, we had we, we had built in protections um, uh, through our home router that automatically blocked suspicious domain names. So they you know got an updated list of you know suspicious domain names and they did that. Or one of the things that, that we enabled on our firewall um, at home and a lot of home routers and home firewalls have this now is don't allow anybody to go to a new domain that's been registered in the last two weeks. Because scammers activate their domains immediately. Mm-hmm. And, and But most people who are building websites for legitimate purposes take a lot of time. So by the time those two weeks are up, 
those URLs, the bad URLs have usually been caught and deactivated and they've now registered a thousand other new ones um, uh, to, to kind of carry out the scams. So if you have those ability, those capabilities in your home firewall, then you can uh, prevent them from getting to there. Now, the problem is, of course, you and I are old and we use our computers. Um, all of our kids use the mm-hmm. phone. Right. And like I know my son very early on learned that, oh, if I just switch it from Wi-Fi to, uh, uh, to just cellular service, I can bypass all the firewall <laughs> rules and I can do whatever I want. And so, you know, but – you can get those kind of protections for the phone as well. And it's just a matter of whether or not you want to do that and, and, and so on. I love what you just said, the message about, you know, you can, you can have that firewall, you can set your router. You know, there are some things that, that we can actually do. And it, I don't think they're probably that expensive. Um, so you're not talking, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, folks listening going, you know, I'm not a expert, you know, this, this Alan sounds lovely, but he's been doing this for, you know, 40 years. I don't know anything about this. You know, could we just go to our, um, you know, our internet provider and, and have them help us out? Absolutely. I mean, you can buy these things at Best Buy and a lot of them are one click and enable that. And that's mm-hmm. that, that's the nice thing about the home solutions is generally speaking, they're readily available. Most people don't know about them because most people get their router either from their ISP or from Best Buy, mm-hmm. set it up mm-hmm. once and never think about it. But it really isn't that hard to enable these things. It's not there's not a lot of configuration. It's 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 all nice and easy. But yes, especially if you get your equipment like most of us do from our ISP, um, you know, from whoever's providing your internet, you can give them a call and they can probably help you enable those settings on that home router. Um, and then they'll probably remind you, um, uh, and this is for the parents, not the kids, that you probably have never upgraded the software in that mm-hmm. router since you got it. And you <laughs> should probably do that too, because that is something that the uh, – that, that, that the bad guys are constantly looking for is can they exploit those home routers? Yeah. My last question, and I, I hope this is a fun one for you. So I'm sure you're familiar with all the kids out there when, when they um, think about their future careers, you know, there, there's a lot that want to be YouTubers. There's a lot that think they're going to be the next Mr. Beast. And, you know, we don't want to quash our, our kids' dreams, um, you know, it used to be they want to be the NBA player and whatnot, and we, we tell them to go for it. But, you know, for that, for that student that, that does want to kind of pursue a technical, you know, online career, you know, tell me about your field. Tell me about cybersecurity and, and how would one start? How would one get into that? So I, I looked into it, but that's because I'm old. Um, you know, I, 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 I left a, you know, I graduated college and I was became a, uh, a manager of a network because I was the only one who was willing to crawl under the desks and plug in wires. Um, and then it just kind of went from there. But the, the thing that drives cybersecurity and and the people who succeed the most in cybersecurity are not necessarily the most technical, Hmm. but the most curious because this is a field that's always changing Mm -hmm. and it's a field that the bad guys are always coming up with new and innovative ways to do bad things. And we have to come up with new and innovative ways to, um, uh, to stop them. Anybody can learn the technical aspect of that. 
what you can't learn is how to be creative and how to be curious. So I love mm. people that are creative and curious and, and want to do that. I grew up um, listening to old time radio, uh, like our local NPR station would play it every, uh, every Saturday. And my favorite character on old time radio was yours truly, Johnny Dollar. And mm-hmm. he was an insurance investigator that traveled around the world. Uh, and his tagline was, your action-packed expense account. And that is kind of a running joke with a lot of people in the cybersecurity community because I've put 150,000 miles in the air just in United this year. Um, and so, like, I, I've gone from not – when I was 10, not knowing what an expense account is to being very painfully familiar. Before I traveled so much, I used to um, help out through the Microsoft Teals program at the local mm-hmm. high school. And um, – I remember uh, uh, the first year I did it, uh, there was a girl in the class that I was helping with who had just finished making her first program work, and uh, she was taking a video of it. Um, and, and I walked over, and I'm like, oh, are you taking a video of your first program? And she looked really embarrassed. She's like, yeah, I'm sending a Snapchat to my dad. I'm like, no, no, no. That's awesome. You should be proud of yourself. You you just wrote your first program. That's amazing. And, and, and you know, there's just like there's the people like me that travel around the world and talk to everybody. We also need the people that want to stay in the mm-hmm. in, in one place mm-hmm. and and program things and reverse engineer malware and, you know, do kind of the technical stuff, you know, sit in the dark room and be the the prototypical hacker that you see on TV or in cartoons, but only working for the good guys. So whatever right. your your personality is there is a career for you in cybersecurity if it's something you want to pursue. And I encourage everybody to do it because we love everybody in cybersecurity, except for the bad guys. Right, exactly. But you need them, though, to go catch them. (laughs) You know what? I would happily retire and write comic books for a living if if, if it turns out that we manage to stop all the bad guys. Unfortunately, I don't think we're anywhere near there yet. Well, I will look forward to that comic book career. Alan, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been really, really great. I I absolutely had a fantastic time. And uh, thank you for for what you do for everybody. I mean, you know, this kind of service and this kind of knowledge is really important to get out there. Thank you for joining us today on the Fit Money Podcast. Whether you're a caregiver, teacher, or student yourself, there's plenty of great K-12 resources to begin or continue your financial literacy journey at fitmoney.org. Visit the show notes for more from today's guest and financial literacy activities for the classroom, at home, or on the go. We'll see you next time. And until then, happy learning, earning, and saving. The Fit Money Podcast is presented by Fit Money, the leading K-12 financial literacy curriculum, providing free, unbiased financial literacy resources. All opinions, products, and references during the show are not endorsed by Fit Money and are solely opinions of the individual. Fit Money does not claim any responsibility for external resources referenced during the episode. All Fit Money products and episodes are provided for educational purposes and are not professional advice.